Welcome to the Rebel Heart Coaching Podcast, where BSN registered nurse, integrative health practitioner, and board certified life coach, Samantha Shatek, teaches you how to go beyond managing your circumstances and start intentionally creating a life you love using her proven strategies. Hi there. How are you today? I am going to be chatting with you today about a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and we're going to be chatting about heart-brain coherence. We're going to talk about what it is, why it's important, and the science behind it, and how you can do it super simply. I just wanted to say that I am so freaking grateful for the weather right now. So I live in Minnesota, and typically at this time of the year, it is we are full on into winter, And we're having a warm snap and it's 48 degrees today. And you have no idea how warm that is to us Minnesotans at this time of year. So my partner and I, we took our dog to the dog park along the river. And I have this connection, y'all, with eagles. Like eagle right now is my spirit animal. I always seem to sense when there's an eagle nearby when we're walking along the Mississippi River. And it's not uncommon to see eagles down there, but it's not that common either. Like it's sort of kind of hit or miss. Well, I tend to always see eagles. So I looked up today. I had the sense there was an eagle. Sure enough, eagle flying right above me, landing in a tree. Super beautiful, really good moment. And it's just gorgeous and sunny. And we put up our Christmas tree today. So it was weird because usually we put up our Christmas tree and it's cold and snowing and it was sunny and beautiful and we're playing Christmas music. But I guess maybe that's what people in Southern climates in California experience. But anyway, so super grateful for the warm weather and I'm really excited to get this information into your ear and into your hearts because this is a tool that you can do really simply pretty much any time and it can totally change your inner world and therefore your outer world. So let's dive in. So I just first want to talk about what the heck is heart-brain coherence and I can't really mention that without talking about an organization that's incredible and the organization is called HeartMath and they're an institute that's nonprofit, and they've developed a reliable, scientific, validated tools. And they've been doing this since 1991. And they have been helping people reduce or avoid stress and increase their peace, satisfaction, and self-security for 31 years. And they're so amazing. They're dedicated to scientific research on the study of the physiology of learning, resilience, and performance. And there's been, I think, Uh, I can't recall the number, but I think there's been over 300 independent studies that have been conducted by researchers. And so they have helped develop this technology that's helped us study the heart and all of its mechanisms and its energy as well, the energy field around the heart. I first heard about brain-heart coherence through a group of people that I love and I follow and listen to, and you may have heard of them too, but specifically 
I heard about heart math from Greg Braden, but also I know Dr. Bruce Lipton and Dr. Joe Dispenza are also super familiar with and into teaching and into the science of heart brain coherence. Basically, heart coherence is a state of cooperative alignment between your heart, your mind, and your emotions, and also your physical systems. So this can expand into your personal, social, and even global coherence. We can learn to activate qualities on purpose that the heart has, such as qualities of care or kindness or gratitude, compassion or acceptance. And these are considered more elevated emotions. And then when we do this in a particular way, it results in less mental and emotional pressure and stress. And we're able to make more effective choices and we're able to increase our resilience. And this brain-heart coherence, when we get ourselves into a coherent state, it will help calm your nervous system and it neutralizes stress. And the other cool thing is it helps increase the strength of your immunity and your immune response. And this has been scientifically tested and proven. So our coherence is communicated through our energetic field and it'll have eventually if you get yourself into a really coherent state, you'll also be able to impact others more positively by just focusing on getting yourself into coherence because we're all connected by one big energetic field. This heart coherence, it seems so complex when we talk about it, but it's really seriously so simple. And people and cultures and civilizations have been doing this for thousands of years. And they also somehow without the technology and science have known to do this on purpose, certain cultures. But when we do this brain heart coherence and get ourselves into a more coherent space, we are more in that like unconditionally loving and harmonious state where our interactions with people are better and more harmonious and our communication is improved. I want to encourage you and I'll I'll put this in the show notes and I can, I'll probably mention it at the end as well, but I want you to, if you're curious and want to learn more, I would love for you to check out the HeartMath organization and the website for that is www.heartmath.org and there are fantastic resources on there and there's tons, you guys, there's tons of free things on there and there's paid things as well where you can become a facilitator or get a certificate to teach. There is like, for example, a free download on 12 heart math tools for reducing stress. And there's also this amazing free education. It's a trauma education for humanitarians and emergency responders. And I think it's an hour long of videos, but it helps anyone who works with people going through trauma or emergency responders deal with it in a way from a heart math and coherence based lens. Um, So, and also all of the science and there's so much good information on there. So if you are curious beyond this podcast, I would love for you to go check them out because I think what they're doing is really important and great. Okay, so come with me and let's dig into a little bit more of the science and how this works and why it's important. You know, most of us have been taught in school, for example, that the heart is constantly responding to orders sent by the brain in the form of signals from the neurons in the brain. But it is not commonly known that actually the heart sends more signals to the brain 
than the brain sends to the heart. And so I think we're not necessarily taught that. And the heart signals have a significant effect on our brain function, including it influencing emotional processing as well as higher cognitive functioning, such as our attention, our memory, our perception, and our problem-solving abilities. In other words, not only does our heart respond to the brain, but the brain is responding to the heart, so they're intricately linked. And also, here's another fun fact that I think is really important, and we don't learn this in school. It has been found that the heart has an intrinsic nervous system of its own, and it contains about 40,000 neurons called sensory neurites. This is an extensive and complex neural network in the heart, and it has been characterized as a brain on the heart. And what's significant about this is what that means is if we've ever experienced having a feeling either in our gut or in our heart and being able to respond before our brains can process something in an instant, that's because the sensory neurites in our heart can sense things in our energetic field just as animals do this very naturally before the brain can actually process the information. It's an immediate direct connection of information. And again, we're not taught this in school. If you think about it, the sensory information that has to travel up through our senses, up to our brain and back down through our body, that's going to take a little bit longer. And we're only talking about split seconds than the direct connection that we have with our hearts that has its own intrinsic nervous system. I think that's really incredible. And we don't talk about that enough. And I, I'm i just fascinated and I love nerding out about science. So thanks for nerding out with me. But the effect of our heart activity on brain function, it has been researched extensively, probably over, I'd say, the last 40 years. And, you know, earliest research mainly examined the effects of heart activity occurring on a short time scale or several consecutive heartbeats at maximum. Scientists at the HeartMath Institute have extended this research by looking at how larger scale patterns of heart activity will affect the brain's functioning. And they have seen that the different patterns of heart activity, which accompany different emotional states, have distinct effects on cognitive and emotional functioning. So for example, when we're having stress and more negative emotions, the heart rhythm pattern is erratic and disordered. And on a graph, you will see a really jagged line with a lot of points up and down. And it'll be not rhythmic. It will look visually erratic and disordered. Like you could you could tell that it's not even looking at a graph. The corresponding patterns of the signals traveling from the heart to the brain inhibits higher cognitive functions. So this limits our ability to think clearly remember, learn, reason, or make effective decisions. And so this explains like why, for example, we might often act impulsively and not wisely when we're under stress because the heart is inputting information during stressful or negative emotions. It has this effect on our brain's emotional process, and it actually serves to reinforce the emotional experience of stress. However, if we have a more ordered and stable pattern of the 
input from the heart to the brain when we're having positive emotional states. It has the complete opposite effect. It will facilitate smooth cognitive function and reinforces positive feelings and more emotional stability. So this means that learning to generate increased heart rhythm coherence when we can sustain positive emotions, it not only benefits our entire body, but it profoundly affects how we are able to perceive, think, feel, and perform. I want to make an important distinction here. The state of creating brain-heart coherence is both psychologically and physiologically different from the state that we achieve through most techniques that we use for relaxation. So at the physiological level, when we relax or the state of relaxation is characterized by an overall reduction in the autonomic outflow, which will result in a lower heart rate variability and a shift in the autonomic nervous system balance towards increased parasympathetic activity. Coherence is also associated with a relative increase in parasympathetic activity, which is just a refresher. Parasympathetic is our rest and digest part of our nervous system, and the sympathetic is the action, the activity, and the fight or flight. Relaxation is typically a low energy state where a person will rest both our body and mind and will typically disengage from cognitive and emotional processes. In contrast, brain-heart coherence will generally involve the active engagement of positive emotion. So it's a more active, intentional state. So psychologically, coherence is experienced as a calm, balanced, yet energized and responsive state that's more conducive to everyday functioning and interaction, including performance of tasks requiring mental acuity, focused problem solving and decision making, as well as physical activity and coordination. Basically, what that means to me is we are more able to do activities and function in the world, but be more peaceful, alert, calm, and clear while we're doing it. Whereas relaxation is more disengagement from cognitive processes where you aren't necessarily, when you're relaxing, you're not wanting to be problem solving. So that's the main difference that I see in from like normal relaxation techniques with brain-heart coherence. Another difference is that unlike relaxation, the brain-heart coherent state does not necessarily involve lowering our heart rates or a change in the amount of heart rate variability, but it's marked mostly by a change in our heart rhythm pattern and how smooth that pattern is, especially when we see it on a graph. I want to touch just a little bit and continue to nerd out with you about something called heart rate variability. So our heart rate at rest was once thought by medical professionals to operate like a metronome where it just faithfully beats out at a regular steady rhythm. But now scientists and researchers and physicians know that this is far from the case. Rather than being super monotonous and regular, even the rhythm of a healthy heart and even under resting conditions is actually surprisingly irregular. So the time interval between these consecutive heartbeats is constantly changing, even in normal, healthy hearts at rest. So the heart rate variability is a measure of the beat-to-beat changes in our heart rate. And I want to talk about why it's important. It's an important indicator for most physicians and scientists as an indicator of health and fitness. 
And it's a marker of our physiological resilience and our behavioral flexibility because it reflects our ability to adapt to stress and environmental demands. So a simple analogy to help this point is when a tennis player shifts their stance back and forth to receive a serve, they need to be able to adapt really swiftly. Just like in healthy individuals, the heart remains responsive and resilient, primed and ready to act when needed. But as we age, our heart rate variability does decrease. So when we're young, it's the greatest because our heart is obviously, you know, assuming that we have a healthy, normally functioning heart, that we have a healthy heart that has a lot of heart rate variability. But as we age, the range of this variation of our resting heart rate becomes smaller. And so it is a natural process to have a little bit of decline with this heart rate variability. But if we have abnormally low variability, then this is usually associated with increased risk of health problems and even premature mortality. So there are many factors that affect our autonomic nervous system and therefore influence our heart rate variability. And some of these include, but this is not a full list, some of these include our breathing patterns, physical exercise, and even our thoughts. And so the research that the HeartMath Institute has done has shown that one of the most powerful factors that will affect our heart's changing rhythm is our feelings and our emotions. And when your heart rate is varied over time, the overall shape of the waveform that is produced will be called your pattern of your heart rhythm. And in general, emotional stress and especially emotions like anger, frustration, anxiety, will give rise to heart rhythm patterns that appear, like I said before, more irregular and erratic. And it looks like a series of uneven, jagged mountain peaks. This is considered an inchoate heart rhythm. Physiologically, this pattern indicates that the signals produced by the two branches of the autonomic nervous system are out of sync with each other. And so this can be likened to driving a car with one foot on the gas, which would be the sympathetic nervous system and the other on the brake, the parasympathetic nervous system at the very same time. So what this does is it creates a more jerky ride. It's going to burn more gas and it's not great for your car. And likewise, if we're in a state of incoherence, The physiological activity that's associated with our stressful emotions will cause our body to operate less efficiently. It's going to probably deplete our energy. It's going to produce extra wear and tear on the whole system. And this is especially true if stress and negative emotions are prolonged or experienced often. And I just want to take a moment to tie this in to what we've been talking about in prior podcasts with the model, with our thoughts and emotions, and why they're so important. Because as the research and science has shown that they have a really real and lasting effect on our body, on our cells, on our mind states, and affect everything down that chain. In contrast, though, when we can have positive emotions on purpose, we send a different signal throughout our body. And I've talked about this before, but when we experience uplifting emotions such as appreciation, joy, care, love, gratitude, compassion, what happens is our heart rhythm pattern becomes super ordered. And on a graph, it'll look more like a smooth, harmonious wave. And this is where we say that we're in a coherent heart rhythm pattern. 
when we are generating this rhythm, then this means that the activity of the two branches of our autonomic nervous system is now synchronized and all of the body systems operate with increased efficiency and harmony. And obviously, when we take a minute to think about it or feel about it, it's no wonder that positive emotions feel good because they actually help our body's systems synchronize and work better in harmony. And that's at a real level. That's at a chemical, that's at a neuronal, that's at a physiological, psychological, tangible level. Our heart rhythm patterns during different emotional states will vary. And it's not that we want to be shamed because we're having emotions that aren't positive, but it's just more information for you and for us for your toolkit. And it might, I'm hoping, and it does for me to give you more of a reason to want to feel good on purpose and want to try to change your thoughts and want to try to heal your anger because anger and frustration for short periods of time is natural and healthy. But if we keep re-triggering the cycle or the story or the circuit of anger and frustration and shame, we're going to feel those effects long-term in our bodies and in our life. And so I just hope that maybe you're a science nerd too, and that some of this research hits you in a way that makes it more real for you. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. Maybe there's a different way that you're understanding it. So I just want you to know that I'm really summarizing here the main points. There's a lot more to it, but I just wanted to give you an idea about some of the science. And the last thing I'll talk about in regards to the science about it and also the why it's important is I want to talk about the role of breathing. And this involves understanding how our breath can help generate coherence because what happens is our breathing patterns will modulate our heart's rhythm. And most of us know by now that we can slow our breath down. But I think that we forget that there's a direct link. So we've all heard about take a deep breath or take these breaths. But the reason we're doing it is because it is possible to generate a coherent heart rhythm simply by breathing slowly and regularly at a 10 second rhythm. So what that would look like is you breathe in for five seconds on the in breath. So count to five. If that's comfortable for you, if it's not, you can do three or four and five seconds on the out breath. So when you breathe rhythmically on purpose in this fashion, this can be a useful inner in order to create a shift out of the stressful emotional state and into more increased coherence. However, this type of uh, cognitively directed pace breathing, it can require considerable mental effort and it is maybe difficult for some people to maintain. So heart math does incorporate a breathing element, but breathing isn't the main focus. And so this coherence exercise really shouldn't be thought of as just a breathing exercise. I think the main difference between heart math and other practiced breathing techniques is that heart math tools mostly focus on the intentional generation of a heartfelt positive emotional state. And along with some breathing, this emotional shift is the key element of the technique's effectiveness because positive emotions appear to excite the system at its natural resonant frequency and thus enable 
the coherence to emerge and be maintained most naturally without a conscious mental focus necessarily on one's breathing rhythm. But the breathing will help the coherence along. One of the main reasons we don't need to focus so much on the breath is because the heart's rhythmic activity is one of the main factors that affect our breathing rate and patterns. So when our heart rhythms shift into coherence as a result of this positive emotional shift that we're creating, our breathing rhythms will automatically synchronize with our heart. So it'll reinforce and stabilize the shift to a system-wide coherence anyway. Heart-brain coherence techniques usually offer a wider array of benefits than those achieved usually through when we just breathe. And this includes a deeper perceptual and emotional change, increased access to our intuition and to our creativity, and also definitely shown increase in cognitive and performance improvements, uh, favorable changes in hormone balance, and a strengthening of the immune system. So to get the full benefits of the heart math tools into this brain-heart coherence, it's super important to learn how to self-activate and eventually sustain these positive emotions. However, initially, because this is brand new, it might be troublesome for some people or a little bit more challenging. You can practice heart-focused breathing in a 10-second rhythm as we described above, and that can be useful to try to get you to that place where you eventually could create more of the heartfelt feelings in your body and in your heart. So once you get used to generating coherence through breathing and feel how this feels, then you can begin to practice more of that positive feeling or attitude through the heart to get to a place of coherence. So I want to move now into the practice portion. So if you're walking or driving a car, please don't do this. Please come back to this and do this exercise later if you so choose. Or you also can go on YouTube and you can search for brain heart coherence meditations and you'll be able to find different people leading you through some different variations on this. But I just wanted to give you a little sample here today. So if you're in a place where you can close your eyes and that you're relatively uninterrupted, all you have to do is follow me and we're going to go through a little just five to seven minute practice here. Okay. So go ahead and wherever you are in whatever space you're in, get cozy, get comfy as you can. And just go ahead and find the most comfortable place. And once you're settled in and feel safe in your surroundings, just go ahead and close your eyes down if that's comfortable. And when we close our eyes, it's nice because we cut off or limit our sensory intake from the environment so we can be more attuned into our internal environment. So closing the eyes, if you feel safe, is an important part of it. So closing your eyes and then just feeling yourself on the surface that you're sitting on and just feeling yourself in the present moment. Want you to place a hand or two hands or a pinky finger over your heart. And the reason for this is sometimes when we want people to focus on a body part or their heart, they'll say that they're in their heart, but they're still in their head because our culture especially has a more difficult time with not being in our heads. So physically touching your body will send a message that that's where your attention should go. So physically touching your heart space, 
with your fingertip, a hand. Some ancient cultures like Buddhists will do like a prayer mudra and touch their thumbs to their heart. So whatever feels good to you. So you're closing your eyes and now you have your hand or hands or finger on your heart and you're going to just start breathing slowly in and out for about a count of five seconds on the inhale through the nose and a count of five seconds on the exhale through the mouth. And you're going to breathe, breathe just a little bit more slowly than you're used to. And when you're breathing, I want you to breathe as if you're breathing in and out of that heart space. So you can imagine energy, oxygen actually filling your heart, feeling the heart expand as you breathe in, and then feeling it slightly contract as you breathe out. And just seeing if you can feel the pulsation of your breath in your heart space. And just imagine your heart and the energy field around your heart expanding on the inhale. And then as you exhale, slowly, slightly contracting, but not completely contracting, just breathing in and out slowly. So five seconds on the inhale, really feel your belly up and your lungs and that heart space with awesome oxygen and then letting it go for five, four, three, two, one, and just keep doing this. And this way of breathing will calm your nervous system. The only time you breathe like this naturally is when you're in a safe space and your body will literally begin to turn on the chemicals of health and repair and your body immediately starts shutting off the signals to the stress chemicals that are in our body. And I've mentioned this before, but it's a super important point. Your body can't be healing itself and growing and repairing itself at a cellular level when it's in fight or flight or in a stressful state because the body's energy, when you're trying to fight a tiger, when you're in fight or flight, does not prioritize healing or your immune system. So simply just taking a deep breath for five seconds in and out and touching your heart space and tuning into your heart is actually all you really have to do, create more of a healing cascade in your body. But the next step that's important part of the brain heart coherent step is you're breathing in and out slowly. You're feeling your heart. And the next step that I want you to do, and this is the final step in brain heart coherence, is I want you to bring to your mind and into your body, more importantly, with your felt sense, one of the elevated emotions. And you can use any emotion that feels good to you, but I usually recommend one of these four, and that is a sense of gratitude, appreciation, compassion, or care. And this can be for anyone or anything or any situation that comes to mind that you can feel this emotion in your body. So you can intentionally bring up a family member or a pet or a location that gives you a sense of peace or gratitude, or care, or kindness, anything that elicits this feeling. And the most important part 
is I want you to feel in your body with your sensations where you're feeling this emotion. Are you feeling the gratitude in your heart? Does it feel warm and fuzzy? Are you feeling it more in your stomach or throat? Is it a warm sensation? Is it radiating outwards? Can you feel it in your hands or your toes or maybe your stomach? Where do you feel gratitude? And it can be different every time, but a lot of times our body will repeat the same sensations for things that we know and label as emotions. So when I am eliciting a feeling of gratitude right now, I feel that in my solar plexus and in my heart, and it radiates up to my throat and it feels warm, sort of like golden sunlight, and it feels expansive. And I kind of have a free, loose, open, hopeful state of mind, and the sensations just feel warm and glowing. So I want you to get inside of your body into these sensations. And if you lose touch with that feeling, it's okay. You can just try to bring it back. You can use a different thing, a different person, a different situation, or you can just keep reminding your body and brain that we're intentionally creating an emotion that is going to support your heart and your body and your brain. So you're continuing to breathe slowly in and out. You're continuing to hold space and touch your physical heart on the outside of your body, breathing in and out from this heart space, and then feeling the feelings in your body of gratitude, joy, appreciation, compassion, and just radiate knowing right now you have created a state for yourself of brain heart coherence and if you're feeling it I bet you feel a little bit more calm maybe a little even more alert centered and if we were to measure your heart rate and your coherence right now on a graph and if you're doing this exercise I guarantee there would be a smooth wave So just go ahead, bask in that feeling a little bit more. And while you're basking for another minute or so in these feelings, I want to say too that this is a wonderful time to read any affirmations for yourself that you'd like because you're now connected with your subconscious brain and your body in a more effective way. So things that you're consciously implanting will go more smoothly and easily into your body, into your subconscious mind. So if you do have affirmations that you want to set, it's a great time after this exercise to do that. Or if you even want to envision a lot of times with my clients, I'll do this coherence exercise and then I'll do a future self meditation or visualization after this. Because we're in coherent state, we're able to really just facilitate and allow those direct hotlines from our conscious frontal lobe to be implanted into our subconscious brains and bodies that much easier. So if there is anything that you want to affirm right now or envision, go ahead and take a minute to do that. And just continuing to breathe slowly, feeling your gorgeous, lovely 
beating amazing heart and feeling how you just created this emotion inside your body. It's not created by an outside circumstance. You created it by thought alone. You thought about something, it created the feeling and you're sustaining that feeling. It's not our circumstances that cause our feelings. It's us interpreting the circumstance. It's us telling a story the way we tell the story that creates the feeling. And we do have control over that. Sometimes it's practice. Sometimes it doesn't seem that way. I want you to just feel and acknowledge how you created this feeling and how wonderful that is. So coming back right now into your body and into the present moment, thanking your heart, thanking your breath, thanking your body for all it's doing for you and all it's done for you. Taking one final deep breath, sealing in the practice. And then when you're ready, slowly opening your eyes, bringing your awareness back into the room, wiggle your fingers and toes, stretch if you have to, just coming back into the present moment, into your body. And thank you so much if you practice with me for just sitting and doing this exercise. And once you've done it, it doesn't always have to take this long. It can literally, you can intentionally create any of those feelings and take slow, deep breaths, even if you only have two minutes or a minute or five minutes. So if you want to do something that's profound and changes your life from the inside out truly, it's knowing this tool. This tool is amazing. And if you want, please check out the HeartMath Institute at heartmath.org for free tools, free educational items, and for a whole bunch of awesome research, evidence-based papers you can look up that they have online for you and so much more want to thank you today for being with me and for being willing to nerd out really hard with me and just for listening in. I really hope that this is the beginning of the rest of your life, that you know how to intentionally create a coherent state and that you can use this anytime when you're feeling off. So much love, love so much. We'll talk next time. Bye. And hey, I also want to invite you to join me for my six-month coaching program. I'll work with just you one-on-one, and I'm going to help you get the results that I know you can get. I promise your life will be different. Go to www.rebelheartcoaching.com to sign up for a consult today. I'll see you inside.